migrants to our first dispatch from Zyja Station. I'm Barbie. And I'm Christine. And we are talking episode one called A Royal Ass Kicking. It first aired March 27th, 2020, and was directed by Jem Gerard and written also by Jem Gerard. And of course, this is based on the comic book by Magdalene Visaggio and Jason Smith. And the basic synopsis of the episode, former Queen Alita is cornered by her nemesis. So an old friend comes to her aid, bringing big news. So here we are, the the start of the very first episode of Vagrant Queen, and and there we see another galaxy not yours flashed up on the screen for the first time, and within 15 seconds or so, there, there we go, we're pretty much tossed into the action right away. We... We as viewers barely have a clue of who Alita is at this point, but damn if she hasn't having isn't having a badass moment. Yeah, so instant competition, obviously. Um, so whatever she's whatever she's got, somebody wants it, <laughs> and she, and she doesn't want to give it up. And I think what you really see in the in this scene is that you kind of see the tone being set for the show right from the get go. That kind of mix of badassery and comedy. So, so of course the these other scavengers come up trying to get her treasure from her, and and they have the exchange. You look familiar, karaoke bar on Crovax, right? And she's just like, "Do I look like I karaoke?" And at this point, I'm watching, and I'm just like. Oh, we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, does not, clearly does not want to be known as a karaoke singer. Parallel to Winona Earp, which I'm also a fan of, I really got a kick out of the uh, shut up, Carl, because it <laughs> goes right back into the stupid Carl that Waverly says in, uh, I, I believe it's the first episode of Winona Earp. Right. So I think what we really see in this first scene is so you've got Alita and then you've got these two scavengers who are sort of really foils to Alita. They're really not taking this too t- terribly seriously and that may be their downfall cuz one, one one moment it looks like they have Alita cornered then the next she's cutting off their limbs and pointing guns at their faces and you you can just tell at this point that she's Got a no bullshit, a, a no hold barred approach. Yeah, she definitely had the confidence. She wanted, she knew that she had it under control. Um, they did not realize that she had it under control. But yeah, definitely get some immediate ass kicking with the limbs, which I thought was funny because he was trying to pick up the gun with the one, you know, his off hand or, or whatever. Um, and it kind of led to a little bit of comedy and a little bit of like time taken away so that she could deal with the other guy. Oh, absolutely. So so then Alita manages to make it out of this first mess and and then we see the credits roll for the very first time and and that yeah. and here we go we're we're off to a start um right into the thick of it yep so we start with uh after the credits there's a, a flashback so we get to see a little inside uh Elita's past right i mean at this point we we still don't know much about Alita. i mean the show at this point the show's been going for all of 3 minutes but you, you just see these flashbacks and, and you start to get an idea of what's going on. You can just tell she's been through a lot and she barely man- only barely manages to pull past it and make it out of bed. Yeah. And I think from all this, you really start to get a better idea of who Alita is. At this point, she's a lonely traveler, really just doing what she has to in order to survive. And it can be kind of a hard knock life. We, we see her... Heading towards Zyja Station. Gee, doesn't that sound familiar? <laughs> and so we see her trying to sell off what what she got on the one planet. And Vado is cutting back the price. And he's like, take the offer or nothing at all. Yeah, and you can tell this isn't the first time that he's jerked her around by her attitude and... And what she says. And uh, I'm also going to mention, uh, I'm going to interject here with um, a parallel from the comic book. Because you see this kind of same 
quote-unquote scene with Vado, but instead of her just kind of taking the, the money, she really puts up a fight and, and goes after one of his bodyguards, which I thought was kind of fun. Oh, absolutely. And I think that really goes to show how sometimes these things have to evolve between the original work and the adaptation. I mean, there there are really some constraints you have to work with when it comes to television. Like, even this first episode, which is a little bit longer than than all the rest, there's only so much you can fit into 50 minutes or so. Yeah, well, and especially, you know, introducing all the characters, kind of getting a feel for the show, um, what what we're looking at in, as far as plot lines go. You know, I mean, it's a lot to cram into to an episode. That's I always say you can't just judge a, a series by the pilot because there's too much going on. <laughs> That's, this is the exposition. Absolutely. This is telling us, okay, where are we? Who are these people? Why do they matter? And I I would say in that regard, Finger and Queen does a pretty good job of establishing that premise in its first episode. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like you see um, the first scene with Amei. We get we get a feel for her character right away. Uh, we know that she's gay from the very first scene because we see, you know, a, a lady alien walking out. And that's six minutes into the first episode. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, it's, it's not necessarily inherent at this point, but it just looking right away. It's just like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. And then, of course, you have the music here, which I think really makes a difference in setting the tone for these scenes. I think, in general, the music in this show, and this this episode in particular, is something to be admired. Oh my gosh, I love the 80s synth music. It's amazing and really, (laughs) it really generates a lighthearted attitude to the whole episode. And I mean, let's cut deck to the first scene with Amay and we hear the Amita music for the first time. And of course, it's a while, it's a couple more episodes yet before we start to realize, okay, me. So yeah, that's their music, but, but it sort of sets that tone right away of maybe there's something more between these two. Yeah. And I think it, at this point, we start to get even more of an idea of just how, in the moment, kind of screwed Alita is. Yeah, she, with the uh, the repairs that are needed on the Winnipeg, the uh, I, I love that Amay just kind of laughs like she was joking, maybe. And then she realized that Alita was serious, that the duct tape is not going to just work anymore yeah that, that's the thing duct tape can only get you so far you know i mean here on earth we use it for everything but obviously we're not uh dealing with spaceships spaceships are a rather more complicated beast to deal with and duct tape alone is not going to be enough to fix those problems yeah for sure i think it's really cute that she kind of gives her a discount she's definitely to me She's definitely flirting with Alita, like, oh yeah, I could, I could get it in for this. And so the flirting begins. It's the first yes. time we see this, but it sure as heck ain't the last. Let's be real. <laughs> and we love it. Oh, we do, no doubt about that. Yeah. So I'm just gonna go back to um. So the the next uh scene that we have i just want to make a comment with the zyja security officers when they're you know kind of in a playing poker or something uh looks like strip poker how many times have you answered a zoom call in this quarantine in your boxers or undergarments (laughs) i i think a lot of us have done that a lot more than we might like to admit for sure like the just the timing that scene it's like Oh, okay. By by the time this episode came out, a lot of us had been quarantined for something along the lines of two or three weeks, and we just see this, and we're just like, mood. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, I sometimes I feel like Jem was a prognosticator because you know obviously they filmed this, uh, I believe in the the summer or fall. Yes, they filmed it somewhere around summer of last year. Yeah, so 2019 is uh, last year for us, if you're listening to later. So, but yeah, and it, setting aside the comedy of all of this, the 
The utter hopelessness, I suppose you could say, of Zyger's security. This is where we, re- where we, in a way, start to meet our enemy. We start to find out about the Republic, and we also start to get an idea of just how serious this situation is. Oh, yeah. Well, and then, you know, Lazaro, when he enters, it really, it's a callback to Star Wars, which I love. Um, so it cracks me up. You know, he gets off the ship and he just kind of has this, he lifts his head and turns his body like, notice me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Gets off the ship and, and then we kind of see the interactions of, of him with his admiralty soldiers and then meeting the, the Zyja Station security officers. Right. And I mean, it's just a gigantic contrast. I mean, you, you have Lazaro who's taking himself perhaps even a bit too seriously. He even comes across a bit bombastic. And then you have Zyja's security. Oh, I am way too high for this. Yeah, definitely. Right off the bat, he's a serious guy. He is ready to do what it takes to to get what he wants. Because at this point, he we have to remember that he's been at this for years. If, if you spent seven years trying to track down someone or something, I mean, I personally, I, I, I can't say I wouldn't be feeling the same way by this point. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, we, we see the flashback and, you know, they're just constantly under on the run because Lazaro is, is out to get him. But speaking of the flashback, I do want to shout out to the cinematography. I love the spinning camera shot. It just really takes you into, you know, kind of, she's dancing, she's bopping around, and I love it. Right, it's got that sort of spacey feel to it, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, and then, the, speaking of space, the um, transition from the flashback back into the current time, you know, it goes from the transport pod through, you know, the space outside Zyja, and I just, it, seamless, I loved it. Absolutely. The cinematography, especially in this first episode, is something to admire. More on that a little bit later. So that brings us back on Zyja, and the Admiralty are there. They've made their presence known, for sure. They, you know, they've got the, the announcement, and they're looking for Alita. And she is, she hides, I think, in kind of plain sight. Like, she just kind of ducks behind the bar and is watching them. Uh, that doesn't, right. that doesn't make sense to me. It's just kind of, it's really kind of a miracle that, that she managed to not get sighted. And that when she finally did get seen by one of the officers, that she was able to Tuck down the garbage chute so quickly, which I suppose that's one way to solve your problems. Well, and we've seen it before. Again, shout out to Star Wars, um, the trash compactor. I think it's probably a good thing there wasn't a swamp monster. It's kind of the juxtaposition, um, you know, that he turns off the gravity. And so she's floating, you know, she's not worrying about what's below her, but rather what's going to happen with the no gravity. <laughs> Right, no, no gravity, and to say the least, if that door opens, having no gravity is going to be the least of her worries. Yeah, yeah, no spacesuit there. <laughs> thank, thank goodness for Isaac then. Yeah, what a dramatic entrance. Right here, this security officer is going on about how he just doesn't care anymore about Malcolm. Now he just wants to get away from from Malcolm and get his own ship and that sort of thing. And, and I'm just here watching, like, Guy, Malcolm is going to be the least of your worries, I can assure you. Yeah, I think there's a couple of more pressing issues here. And so then we finally see Isaac and Alita interacting with one another. And at this point, you can just tell right away that they're not exactly on good terms. And of course, we learn more about that eventually, but... At this point, you're just left wondering, like, wait, wait, what's going on here? Yeah, we, uh, so we go more into detail and we learn that he shot her and then never apologized. (laughs) Fine, I am sorry that you made me shoot you. Right, exactly. 
and they just get right back into that argument and, and you you can tell that even having had a couple of months to let things simmer down that they're still not exactly getting things back together yet yeah and you it doesn't really give a, a sense of how long they've they've been fighting or um when how long ago this happened we will find that out later but uh, for now, we're just kind of left, you know, it could be last week, could be two years ago. Who knows? So, so it's at this point when we really start to learn more about Isaac's motivations. We hear him talking about getting back to Earth, being with his kid and his wife. Yeah. I mean, it's it's nice to, to get a sense of his character. And, and you know, he's he portrays himself as a family man even though he's kind of started off as this shady hooded figure that kind of who knows what happened uh who knows the history of what happened between him and alita right and of course we'll get more on that eventually but at this point we're just like hmm yeah and there's definitely some hard feelings for sure um we see later that when uh, Isaac and Alita are talking um, in the, the seedy underbelly of Zyja, we definitely see some uh, maybe some X-rated buildings that perhaps are located all in the same area. Um, but yeah, I, Alita and Isaac, they're kind of getting into it and Alita just goes for the gut punch to Isaac and leaves. I mean, she just kind of throws it on the table and and let's go and and just leaves right she says i'm not as stupid as you look asshole <laughs> yeah and, and, you, and you can just tell she's through with this uh, also can we just go back and talk about lazaro in the bar scene oh yeah i'd love to i think we can safely say even though we're only like 20 minutes or so into episode one that lazaro you need therapy. Oh my gosh. Does he ever? He clearly had a rough childhood um, with his, with his, growing up with his dad. I don't think they saw eye to eye on anything. No, the more I watch this episode, the more I think about how he's sort of using that story as a means to an end. He's, so here he is telling this story about the, the time he tried to get away with something and it didn't pan out and so he got punished for it and and so then here he is talking to Chaz and he's like if you don't tell me where where Alita is or what's going on with her yeah you're gonna feel some punishment too yeah I also when Chaz is listening he how dry can you get that cup because he's just working on <laughs> he's just cranking on that towel uh the whole scene, the entire scene. I just, I don't know. I guess I've never been a bartender, so I don't know. Right. Well, what, what, what do we know? We, we just trust the show as best we can. Yeah. I mean, I obviously it's kind of uh, belaying his his nervousness of uh, of what's going on because obviously he knows Alita and he wants to protect her. Right. I mean, that's a sticky situation to be in. Especially when it's someone like Alita who's got so much other stuff going on. Yeah. And you'd think that he'd realize that there was a camera in the bar. I mean, unless he was a brand new employee, which we do not get a sense of that. Right. But I suppose it, in the moment you might be inclined to forget that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I think we really, in general, just have to give the benefit of the doubt here because... Let's face it, all of these characters are under a lot of pressure. Yeah, and speaking of characters, we uh, we meet the Loyalists. So they have this underground Loyalist community or colony or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and we see how they are just totally... Elita is their, their queen. But more than a queen, it seems like she's treated as a god. Right. You you can tell that even after all these years of the royalty being out of power, they're still doing their damnness to revere her. And she's just here like, no, no, please don't. Dear God, I am begging you, please don't. I don't even want the name I used to have. Just let me get on with my life. 
please. Yeah, you really get a sense of how she feels. She does not keep her uh, her thoughts to herself. Right, and it's only begrudgingly that she even accepts the help of the loyalists here. Yep, and I think that was just pure need. She just needed to latch on to something to get out of there, which, honestly, I don't really understand how she expected to blast her way through when she was being searched for. Like, why would you want to go in the front, you know, kind of cut through the line to potentially be caught? I mean, as the old saying goes, desperate times, desperate measures. Yeah, for real. I mean, if if the uh, the loyalist didn't show up, oh, I don't know what she would have done. Right. That that was just sort of pure luck there. Yeah. So we start to meet more of the loyalists, and probably the one that sticks out most to us as viewers is, of course, Nim. Yeah, he he is a cutie for sure. This is officially a Nim appreciation podcast. Hashtag justice for Nim, right? Hashtag justice for Nim. So we start to meet Nim, and then from from there we got to a loyalist space station years back. And, and, and you can tell uh, Alita, who was Eldaya at the time, was just going through this for so long. And years of this, you have to imagine, are going to take their toll. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, I, I feel it's kind of relatable to the quote, military brat kind of uh, situation where you're moving constantly and you just, you don't stay in one place long enough to make friends and it's really hard, especially as a developing small human into a teenager and obviously eventually an adult. So I think it really sets the stage as to how she kind of feels like a loner um, and is used to being alone. And on her mother's part, you can argue that's kind of intentional. She mentions in the scene, with friendship comes trust. And that is something you can never afford to give. And you just get an idea of, okay, that all this moving around is very much intentional because getting too attached to anybody can be deadly, especially when you're a queen on the run. Yeah, I mean, falling into the wrong hands or trusting the wrong person, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, one false move and, and you're toast. But yeah, we so we cut back to the station and we should really start to get a better idea of who Nim is what, and Nim's loyalty to the, to the crown. And I think it gets more and more difficult here not to like Nim. Yeah, he's, he's very lovable. I mean, he he kind of knocks out um, Dengar to, and he, you know, makes a comment like, I, I'm loyal to the queen, whatever that may be, you know, whatever it means. And if she doesn't want to be queen, then he'll, he'll support her, which I think is, is really cool. And it's a really nice message. Absolutely. Like, of, of course, it's important not to get to the point of blind loyalty, so, meanwhile, we cut back to a maze shop and, and some of the soldiers walk in and, and she should be concerned about this and, and they're just rummaging around and she's just like, no, those are alphabetized and we're just here screaming at the TV, priorities! <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, they come in, they shut off her power. Otherwise, I don't think she'd even notice they were there because she was just kind of, you know, in-depth... Um, fixing whatever she was fixing and yeah to her point it's kind of funny that that's what they were doing instead of you know like threatening or manhandling her they just kind of flip over a couple instruments and 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 it and it works (laughs) right it gets the point across well enough and you you could argue that she probably would have ended up in a very bad situation were it not for the lucky timing of one Isaac. Yeah, we've uh, we've run into a couple of d- great timing issues in this episode. Kind of uh, luck, which, you know, hopefully we don't need luck. We just need skill, but we'll take all the luck we can get. Exactly. His goodness knows how without even a tiny bit of that luck, how very differently these things could have played out. But... Our focus here is not on how things could have played out. Our focus here is on how things did play out. And as it is, I think they worked out quite nicely for the team. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. Isaac and Amay team up right away. Although, I don't know why Isaac is just spilling the beans on uh, Alita's identity. You know, like, oh, yeah, she's the queen and everybody's looking for her. And Amay just kind of goes with it. Right, I mean, we we hear the Amita music creeping again for the second time this episode. You just wonder about the, the sense of wonder that Amay seems to be going through here. Yeah, it's um I love that that they play the theme because you kind of get like a oh she's really thinking about uh Elita. So that's really nice. And then of course, meanwhile, you have Elita coping with the fact that her bartender's been kidnapped. Yeah. Like why kidnap the bartender? That's my brother. What a what a random uh person to, you know, assume that she would care about, but of course, being Elita, she she does. Right, and her priorities changed like that. And, and so, of course, she was already hesitant enough to go with the loyalists, and then this happens, and she's just like, no, I gotta save my bartender, and they end up knocking her out to keep her from going out of control, so to speak, but I guess you gotta do anything to keep the monarchy going, eh? Yep, yep. And they, so then a few minutes later... Alita wakes back up and they, there's Ered and they, there's that talk of you hit a queen oh oh, you make it sound so terrible when you put it that way and I mean let's not kid ourselves it is a bit terrible if anything it's a bit creepy even she even po- Alita even points out do you not hear the crazy yeah, I mean, this was in response to, uh, well, you have to produce an heir. And it's just, it really is kind of cultish. Like, really? Um, that's kind of crazy. Thank thank goodness then that Alina knows what she has to do to get out of that situation. And then and then that Nim knows what, what, what he has to do to get out of the way and get on with things. Yeah, so that's when we uh, that's when we see Nim, you know, knock the uh, the loyalist out and and kind of pledge his loyalty to her, and then they t- they team up and go after uh, the Admiralty soldiers to kind of get around that. And I love when he says, "I'm good for sneaking." That's hilarious. Right, he, he he just knows what has to be what 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 he has to say to to get the guards to pay attention to him, and then and then of course he and, and Alita end up kicking the ass of these guards, and and sure Alita is a little bit miffed that maybe things didn't go according to plan, but I mean hey Nim is as he says a black belt in improv. Can we really complain here? We cannot. I mean, he's he's badass in his own little way. Emphasis on little. Yep, ain't that the truth? And so then a bit more time passes by and Isaac and Amay have taken on the ingenious idea of sneaking in to, to get a hold of Chaz. Because, of course, they knocked out the security guards and now they have the the, the guard wearing... Uh, May is just delightful getting into character here, and I, this is the first of many times, of course, that we see her really trying to get into her role, because that's something the bunch has to do a lot, is taking these characters just to keep surviving and keep making their way through these sticky situations. Yeah, she's very methodical when she, and very serious about um, when she has to kind of take on these roles. Um, so she kind of gets into it like, okay, well, you've, you've, you're an officer. You've got top marks in officing school. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we're just here like, you know what? You, you go, Amay. You got this. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, they... What do they do? They go and and they get her brother and, you know, without too much trouble, which is nice for once. Right. And thankfully, Lazaro is out of the way. But of course, he's wreaking havoc elsewhere, literally breaking legs. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that's, of course, due to Nim and Elita's handiwork. So kind of works out. It's almost like they're a team before they're a team. Hmm. 
may, perhaps we may be getting somewhere here. So then, of course, the team, without even really meaning, meaning to, ends up meeting back up. And, and so you have the hilarity in, involving them trying and failing utterly to stay in their roles. Yep, and I, we're, I'm just going to play that audio clip because it is too funny not to share. Hey, uh, where are you taking that prisoner? Our commands are on a need-to-know basis. Uh, where are you going with that one? Uh, same. Uh, need to know basis thingy. Go Republic. Go, Go Republic. Republic. Okay, playtime's over. The prisoner, now. Huh? What's this about? Hey, it's not even a real prisoner. No shit, asshat. Oh, yeah. What the hell, Isaac? What are you doing here? I'm trying to save you. I know you're a mechanic and all, but there's really no fixing this piece of crap. Yeah, he's a total nincompoop, but he helped me out when some Admiralty goons came knocking for you. Nim is confused. <laughs> we all have the same idea. I mean, they really got to reconsider these uniforms. This is just way too easy. Well, nice job keeping up the disguises, everybody. Well played, 10 out of 10. But hey, at least everything gets sorted out and the group ends up back together in the end anyway. Yep, and Alita kind of uh, making a jab at Isaac and... Um... Right away, bringing up the, you know, the, the shooting part. And I may kind of agree, but at the same time, he helped her save her brother. So she's not too, she's not complaining a lot. <laughs> right. I, I mean, you, you gotta take the good with the bad here. Yeah. And I, I like that you, you can tell Alita is, she has such a, a an open heart, um, even though she's guarded. Because she's trying to protect a May already and, and saying that it's it's too dangerous. But uh, Isaac, when he brings up the lo the locket or the um, the brooch of her mother's, you know, she definitely has a lot of feelings. And they show her uh, crying. You know, some tears come down, and it's it's great to see that. You know, obviously we've established that she kicks ass. She's smart. She can kind of do that whole thing but it's also she can be vulnerable and even tough girls cry right i mean nobody is perfect as they say and and we really see here just how much she cares for her family in particular sure she'd been through a lot with them and sure she didn't feel too fondly toward her mother because of all the moving around over the years but what she wouldn't do to get her mother back. Yeah, definitely a sense of family. And, you know, she she thought that her mother was dead for how many years, you know? And to kind of get that that hope uh, starting to kindle. And it's a, an exciting prospect for her, you know? It's, it's kind of poignant, you know, already having to deal with your grief and then coming back to, well, maybe, maybe she is alive and maybe this... Maybe I can come back from this. Right, and, and it gives her a motivation to work toward in these next few episodes. Yeah, I mean, like we said, it's exposition, so we kind of have the, the setting. Um, this is where we're kind of going from here is, all right, well, we've got to rescue mom, and we've got a mission. So, course is set. Yes, indeed. But first, of course, they have to navigate the matter of getting the heck out of there. And so we get to the bad, most badass scene of the episode by far. Oh, yeah. So they have your, you know, you got the slow-mo hero walk. You've got, so I watch, um, I watch shows with captions. The captions on here, if you don't watch with captions, they're hilarious because it really gives you a sense. So this one, it's um, dreamy 80s synth music was the caption when they're doing their hero walk in. Right. And I mean, you... Whoever does the little music descriptions for, for the captions, they, they seize an appreciation moment for whoever that person is. Bless. They, thank you for finding all these different words to describe all this different music and just making sure that we, the viewers, are kept on our toes. Yeah, this is not going to be the last time that I bring up the captions. I'm just going to predict that right now. <laughs> So then we go, we go right into um, what Jem has called the mannequin challenges. So we get our first taste of this the freeze shot kind of battle scene. 
um, which is really I've never seen it done before in television. I've, it's really creative. Um, right. This is where the show really sets itself apart. They do such a good job with these things, and I have to appreciate just the dedication that go, that goes into these things. Be, because I've heard it talked about just the process that went into making the mannequin challenges and it and it's not easy certainly not something I could pull off yeah the cast has uh in previous interviews um they have said that they have to stay still the camera is the one moving and so the ca- they can't move until the camera goes past them you know kind of weaves in and out which is crazy. I mean, you know, how long do you think they hold those poses for? And if they move, they've got to just do it again. Right. It can't be easy. But that's why we appreciate this team so much. They went and they got it done. Oh my gosh, yes. All the props to everyone, honestly. I mean, it's it's Jem's creation, but the actors that have to, you know, kind of stay still, the camera operators that have to weave in and out and, and do their job, and the editors to make sure that all the, you know, the effects, obviously there's, you know, the, the CGI that comes in after. I mean, it's all so beautifully put, I think. Which, going back the whole episode i mean the whole series so far is colorful it's bright it's it's fun to watch absolutely and and i mean we i think we can always appreciate television like that television that knows when to take itself seriously but also knows when to ease it off a little bit and let the viewer really have fun and let everybody on the team have fun really yeah, and I mean, the the mannequin challenges are a throwback to the comic books. Um, Jem really wanted to get that, uh, that sense and that feel of reading a comic, which, you know, the different panels, if you read down, um, I don't know if you're a comic book fan, but yeah, it's, like I said, it's just really unique, and I, I love it, every episode. Absolutely. So eventually the, the team does manage to escape, which of course we're glad for, but it comes at a cost. Yes. <sighs> Rest in peace, Nim. A moment of silence for Nim. Hashtag justice for Nim. Hashtag justice for Nim. Damn you, Lazaro. <laughs> well, I mean, technically it, w- it was Nim himself that uh, that pulled the the trigger on the on the little bomb or grenade type thing but still had they even just been a few seconds sooner but again we we do not deal deal in theoreticals here we deal in actualities and we're right there with alita when when she's screaming no yeah i mean we just met this this uh the species name is tuck we just met this tuck you know named nim and he was part of the the uh, loyalists, but he really stood out because he was supportive of her as a person and not her as a, a former queen. Right, and and he acknowledges the the bigger role that she does play in all this. Like, there are still those who believe in you. Yeah, and I think that kind of made her her pause a little. Absolutely, there's just a lot to process here, but. The episode has to move on, and so we as viewers have to move on, too. Yep. Uh, Speaking of moving on, we've got, we move on to the ship uh, for our last couple of scenes, and we see some more Amida moments. Yay! So, yeah, um, they have a, a moment of staring at each other, you know, they're, thank you for all your help. And then they just kind of have this this moment where they're looking at each other. And of course, Alita being awkward, she changes the subject and gets up. But then Amei kind of brings it back. And she's like, so, heard a couple of names. What is your name? <laughs> right. And they also talk about how it's really not fair that, that Alita doesn't really get to know anybody. And we have to admit, she might be on to something. Yeah, for sure. Um, we've definitely seen and talked about in, in the podcast that she's that Lita's kind of a loner. So uh, I think Amay wants to crack into that a little bit because she's so um, she's so open. 
But of course, there ends up not being much time to talk about that because as the episode comes to a close, we have the ship going on the fritz and so there's just the question of, well, what happens now? Talk about being sidetracked. Right. <laughs> what will happen with this uh, poorly put together, held together with duct tape kind of thing? At least they have a mechanic, though. Thank goodness. Yeah, th- th- thank goodness for a May. Yeah, so that... Isn't that the truth? Definitely. So that's going to wrap up our episode discussion. Yeah, if you want to hear hear about what happens next, you're going to have to tune into our our next dispatch. Yes, talking about episode two next time. But of course, we are not just a show podcast. We are a fandom podcast, and so we want to focus on some other things with regard to the fandom, too. So we're going to start off with some fandom news, just keeping you as listeners in the loop on what's going on. The first thing we want to do is, as we're going through these episodes, we want to talk about ratings because that's a big thing for for the continued survival of this show. And we'll be bringing up the hashtag renew vagrant queen slash hashtag save vagrant queen effort a lot here as we go on. Because as we record this, the show's fate is really up in the air and we're just trying our best to make sure it survives because it deserves to have a nice long run. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, 10, 10 episodes is not a very long season. I mean, that's probably the least amount of episodes for for a season that I that I know. I mean, you know, you get the 12 to 13, and then you get the 18, you know, depending on the show. Of course, we've moved away from the, the long uh, uh, seasons, you know, the old 22, 23 episodes. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, 10 episodes is nothing. Um and, you know, like we mentioned, this is the pilot, so it's just all mostly exposition and kind of getting a feel for it. So we're really, you know, we've got we've to gotta hit the ground running. And unfortunately, the way to measure that is ratings, which in my mind is kind of a getting to be an old fashioned system. I mean, you get a lot of online views, um, you know, people watching the next day on on demand. Some people will buy the season and then just kind of watch it as as they have time. Right. And, and I think it goes to show how there's more than one way to support a show nowadays. You don't, it's not just watch the show, maybe write letters if you really want to support the show. Now you, you can buy episodes of the show or buy the entire season you can watch online you can encourage other people to watch yep definitely i mean and social media is so huge you know i was in the i still am uh in the timeless fandom and you know that show was canceled after one season and then resurrected three days after the cancellation news and then canceled after the second season and then resurrected for a final you know two hour special kind of special edition to wrap up the the two seasons so i mean fans make a difference which is really interesting uh in this in this time you know this day and age (laughs) right but yes we still do have to talk about the ratings even in spite of all this so this first episode it aired on, on a friday night it started out at 99th place among all new cable episodes airing that Friday night, and that might might seem like a low number, but that's also including things like cable news and that sort of thing. So it's actually a pretty decent result, all told. And the show started out with 375,000 viewers and a, and a .10 rating among the key demographic in TV, which for those of you not in the loop is Adults 18 to 49. So we certainly could wish for a better start, but nothing to complain about here, especially for a fairly new property like this. Yeah, and I mean, the only reason that I heard about the show is is from, from Tim, who plays Isaac, because I follow him on social media, and he was, you know, hyping up the show and kind of said that he was on a new project and because of the Winona Earp hiatus, the extended hiatus and the fight for Winona, but that's a whole nother thing. But yeah, I didn't, not that I watch a, a lot of cable and live TV, 
but I had never heard of it. Um, I would have never heard of it if it was not for Tim. Right. The crossover appeal between shows can't be denied here, but we do have other news to delve into it and, and delve into it we shall. For context, as we're recording this, it is a Monday afternoon. Just this morning as we were getting ready to record Dana Pickley, she, she runs now Queer Media Matters. And she put out an article on the show just this morning. And it really is a great article about the show. We'll include the link to it in our show notes. But there's one key sentence in this article worth mentioning, especially in the context of how to help the show. So what I'm trying to say is, if you love Vagrant Queen, you need to be very loud about it on social and soon. The time is now to fight. We don't want to take the reactive approach and, and wait until after sci-fi, sci-fi has decided the show's fate to speak up. We need to be vocal now. And in that regard, that moves moves us to our other bit of news, the, vagrant, the hashtag Renew Vagrant Queen Power Hour. Yeah, we've been having these um, for a couple of weeks now, which is is fun. I know I um, I have a group of vagrant erpers, uh, the shout out, but we just, uh, we try to get a Zoom call and rewatch one of the episodes. You know, whether it be the the previous weeks or you know, kind of going back. But we throw on an episode to do these power hours and just spend the entire time tweeting. Um, with the hashtag Renew Vagrant Queen, we tag Sci-Fi and Chris McCumbrick uh, because you know he's kind of the head, the head of of Sci-Fi and and uh, is a key factor in if shows are renewed or not. Um, but yeah, just kind of making noise on social media, getting seen, getting the visibility out there, um, and hopefully getting uh, the hashtag to trend or at least. At the very least, getting people to, to see it. There's So there's been one of these power hours happening every week as of late. So follow us on Twitter and we'll keep you updated as to when the next one is happening. And certainly we'll keep talking about them here on the program. And that takes us through into listener comments and questions. This is where we would normally have them anyway. But we didn't have any this week. But so what we'd like to do with this time is take a little bit of time out of our episode to appreciate people within the fandom who create content and really keep the fandom going. Yep. So we, we kind of put a call out on our social um, to nominate somebody that you feel should be uh, in the spotlight. And we had actually two recommendations, two nominations. Um, both of them are artists. Uh, first is none other than Katie, who designed our lovely podcast logo. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at Lenanshi. Uh, that is L-E-A-N-A-N-S-I-D-H-E-220. And I'm just going to mention you can buy her artwork on Redbubble if you search for KJSB. The second nomination we received is Nick, who has done absolutely gorgeous and colorful portraits of Elita, Isaac, and Amay. You can follow her on Twitter at artsymagician, A-R-T-S-Y-M-A-G-I-C-I-A-N, and you can also find her on Redbubble at artsymagician to buy her art. Um, And both of these artists coincidentally recommended each other, so that's kind of a fun, um, you know, support Support the fandom, I I think, um, which is great. Absolutely. And if you as listeners want to support these artists, we'll be including links to their work in our show notes. So take a look at those and help support the fandom. Now, we would, of course, love to hear from you. So in keeping with our hashtag Renew Vagrant Queen talk lately, we want to ask, how have you been trying to get people to watch Vagrant Queen? You can send us a text or audio message at vagrantqueenpod at gmail.com. More on how you can get in touch with us in a moment. And that'll wrap, wrap things up for this episode. Next week, we are talking episode two of the first season called Yippie Kaye. 
We're looking forward to it and hope you will too. Keep listening now to hear about all the different ways you can support our dispatches. For now, though, until the next Dispatch from Zygestation, this has been a podcast from another galaxy. Not Not yours. yours. We are a fan-driven podcast, which means you help us do what we do, so we appreciate any way you can show your support for our work. You can find us on Twitter at Pod. that's X-I-J-A-D-I-S-P-A-T-C-H-P-O-D. There you can find current news about Vagrant Queen, our podcast, and many other things happening in the fandom. You can also support us on a long-term or short-term basis through Patreon. Your subscription there helps us cover expenses for the podcast, whether it's hosting costs or giveaways or anything else that makes us the best fan space it can be. To find us on Patreon and to get more information, just go to patreon.com and search Zyja, X-I-J-A. And of course, as a fan podcast, we want to hear from you, the fans. Our email is vagrantqueenpod at gmail.com. You can send us a text or voice recording, whether it's about what's happening on the episode, your thoughts on the show as a whole, or what we're doing here on the podcast. This is an inclusive space, so send us your comments or feedback and make yourself heard. Finally, Podbean hosts new episodes of our podcasts. That's where you can go to find the latest episodes of our programs and keep up to date on what's happening in our galaxy. We also have transcripts available if you need them. That's at zygestation.podbean.com. Till next time, Zygestation, over and out.